all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Good morning. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me in the studio today, I have Dr. Carl Mangum, who is an Associate Professor of Nursing and the Director of the Psychiatric Mental Health Nurse Practitioner Program also at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And Carl, I think, is one of my most frequent guests on the show. You've been on a lot with me, but not in a in a while, and definitely not in person in a while. So it's good to have you back in the studio with that, us today. That's true. Great to be here. And we're going to be talking about summer safety today, um, and that includes a lot of topics, but the, the first one that I really feel compelled to talk about is heat safety. We are staring down... Um, some record heat uh, that's coming this week. Um, they're talking that there's not even a, a precedent for the, the heat, at least the um, the kind of real fill temperatures that we're about to have this week. And that with that comes along some dangers, especially in relationship to hydration status um, and heat exhaustion and heat stroke. So we're going to start um, with, with that and talking about that. But if you have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring um, That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can always email us, fit at mpbonline.org. Org. All right, so let's talk about this this heat, Carl, and what heat brings in terms of health related dangers. Well, welcome to the South. <laughs> exactly, it, it's it's warm outside, folks. And uh, those of you that are from the South and from Mississippi, this is nothing new. So those of you that are new to the South and new to Mississippi, you need to be careful. Um, heat is dangerous. And it doesn't take that long to uh, affect your body. And really the most important thing is to remain hydrated Mm -hmm. and to remain cool. Um, And there are several different things. We think of heat rash, heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and then the most dangerous of all, heat stroke. And remember, heat-related emergencies can be fatal. Mm -hmm. can They can kill you. And it's one of the things that uh, you need to keep in mind. Of course, as with many things that we talk about, uh, we think about the very young and the very old, uh, but we also th- have to think about our friends and, and family that work outside. Exactly. Uh, many of those different types of jobs, whether they're pavers, roofers, uh, first responders, we think of firefighters, police, EMS, uh, that are out in the heat. 
um, and, and all of the construction jobs, um, you really have to uh, plan ahead for those days of having plenty of fluids, uh, plenty of downtime. Um, a lot of times people will start to work earlier in the day or maybe work later in the evening when it's a little cooler, uh, things like that. So let, let's go ahead and talk about those four things. The heat rash, many of, many of us experience that. That's just where you get a little rash on your body, uh, the little bumps that may uh, um, pop up. Uh, usually they're clustered in a damp, warm area. Um, armpits. Armpits, uh, where your thighs, uh, uh, where your uh, legs meet your uh, torso, uh, those types of areas. Uh, not uncommon, happens to a lot of us, uh, really not that big a deal, more of an inconvenience. Uh, heat cramps, and the, the example I usually give of this are our sports people, uh, especially uh, with football fixing to start back up here soon. Uh, we think of the junior high and the high school kids out getting ready to play, and uh, heat cramps will hop up real fast. Uh, right now with uh, kids playing baseball and all-stars, uh, and um, some of those, that, that will happen again. Uh, that's where the pain and the spasms, uh, usually in the leg, stomach area, uh, a, really a lot of sweating going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the big thing with that is to make sure that they're getting plenty of fluid. Uh, we think of water first. Uh, nothing replaces water. The electrolyte drinks are all good. Um, you know, all the name brands are out there. Those are good, but make sure they're getting that water. Um, um, plenty of intake every 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, take that time out. Uh, I know a lot of sports, uh, including high school football that starts back early in August, they'll have planned timeouts already in place to make sure everyone gets water and fluids. And then uh, also plan timeouts for uh, kids just to take a break. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they need some, sometimes they just need to sit down for a minute. With um, some shade. Sure. You know, so sure. those are all important yeah. things. So before we get to the the two other ones with the heat rash some things that i found helpful with that because like you said mostly it's a it's a nuisance now it can progress um you know, anytime you get a break in the skin or an irritation in the skin you can get a secondary infection sure. there and so i'll talk about some of the kind of warning signs of that but one of our favorite products and of course this is not an endorsement of that brand and i don't know another brand but the only one that i know is something called body glide which comes in a tube like a like deodorant and any area that you have that has a lot of friction so those warm moist places that rub together like your armpits your thighs those kinds of areas kind of applying some of that kind of helps it glide that's probably why they call it body glide glide across without causing quite so much friction that can cause some of that heat rash Um, if you do develop um, a heat rash or you know a rash in your armpits groin area that kind of thing trying as much as you can when you're out of the the heat to keep it cool and dry so kind of letting it um air out so to speak that's what my mom used to always say let some air get to it but you know don't wear that kind of tight compressive fitting clothing um and if it starts to if the redness starts to spread you start to see any like little um little pustules like little pimples almost in the area or red splotches that extend away there's a potential that it could be like a secondary fungal infection because fungus likes warm hot places as well and so that can be treated by your regular healthcare provider either with a cream or my favorite which is an antifungal powder um, to kind of soak up some of that um, 
uh, area there. In terms of the heat cramps, one of the other things I see that folks um, tend to go overboard on is is the sports strings. Now, we absolutely, if you're in pro, uh, prolonged heat with strenuous activity for more than an hour, you probably are going to need some type of electrolyte replacement. Um, just be careful about how much sugar you're adding on board there. So um, the reduced sugar options or um, some of the electrolyte enhanced waters, those kinds of things are great. And then don't discount the amount of hydration and electrolytes that you can get from some food sources. Um, so use snack time as a way to get some high quality food into uh, into your kiddos instead of just the typical chips and that kind of thing. Really think about fresh fruit, like bananas are going to be a good um, potassium replacement. Apple slices, Apple oranges. Apple slices, oranges, watermelon, which is you know 95% water, all of those kinds of things. And then be careful careful of the temperature of the liquids that you're serving as well. You know, our kind of, our gut reaction is to get it as cold as we can, and that can actually make at least abdominal cramps worse. If you just guzzle a bunch of kind of ice cold water, um, it can cause some cramping and some nausea as well. So cool, uh, but not not frosty is the best there. Now, the two kind of more serious um, are your heat exhaustion and your heat stroke. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the difference between heat exhaustion and heat stroke and how we know. Okay. Well, well, the heat exhaustion, and you're exactly right, these are becoming uh, serious heat-related injuries. And with the heat exhaustion, uh, the person will be experiencing some headaches, maybe dizziness, potential nausea, weakness. They'll be definitely thirsty, and they will be sweating profusely. Mm -hmm. A lot of sweat. Uh, They will be kind of cool when you touch them, uh, and and damp uh, is the best way. Um, you know, I've heard people say, you know, I'm, I'm soaked through my underwear, mm-hmm. uh, and people will say that. Um, they won't be going to the bathroom a lot because the body is trying to conserve that water, so they'll stop actually going uh, to the restroom. Uh, but they'll also start saying that, that, they're, that they feel hot, mm-hmm. their temperature will be rising. Uh, it's because of the heat uh, is starting to build up in them, but they're still going to feel kind of cool uh, as you touch them, but but definitely wet. And so all of those signs and symptoms are there, uh, and those are going to give you the ones for the heat exhaustion. And this is a serious thing. Don't have them gulp water. Right. They need to sip it because if they start gulping the water, the odds are they're going to start throwing up, okay? And that's going to be a, a bad thing. You want to get them into a cool area, shade if you're outside, if you can get them into an air-conditioned building, that's fine. Please do not stick them in a freezer, okay? Uh, you know, don't get them into the restaurant and take them into the freezer. Um, you know, that's counterproductive. If you can get them in a regular air-conditioned building, that's fine, or an automobile that's air-conditioned. But don't stick them in the, in the freezer. That's, uh, that's going to be bad. A lot of times you'll see the cold compresses uh, that they can put around their neck, um, over their head, things like that. I, I saw those this weekend uh, with a couple of my grandsons playing um, uh, baseball, and they were able to wear those to help cool off. Uh, and, and all of those things. Now, if this continues and they continue to get worse, uh, then this may be a 911 type incident. But usually, if you can get some fluid back in them and get them cool back down, they will come around usually within the hour yeah. and, and feel better. But 
if those signs and symptoms persist, you need to seek medical treatment. Absolutely. And so you mentioned kind of the profuse sweating, um, but they feel kind of kind of cold and clam or cool and clammy to the right. touch, um, dizziness, that kind of thing. Those are those are your warning signs. Like, hey, this is fixing to progress to something significant. We need to to start to employ some of these treatment strategies. When it becomes heat stroke, that is nine one one. Like, Correct. and so you know some of the the nuanced differences between that really really bad headache, um, where they often say they feel their heart pounding in their head. Um, usually, the sweating has stopped um, right. or has significantly they be, decreased. They will be dry to the touch, and they are and they're hot when you touch them right. because now their core body temperature is at one hundred and three. Usually, that's kind of the medical cutoff for um, heat stroke, and this is. Like, don't just try to treat this yourself. This is 911 because it's going to require careful hydration and bringing down of that body temperature. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for joining us today here on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Josie Bidwell. Joining me today, I have Dr. Carl Mangum, and we're talking all about uh, summer safety. In the first segment of the show, we really focused in on heat-related issues and how to prevent those. Um, But, Kevin, you had a hydration question that I think would be good to, to put in here now. Yeah, I'm, I like to play tennis, and tennis season, unfortunately, is, well, it's year-round, but obviously we're playing out there in the summertime, and I, I do a pretty good job of, you know, bringing my water along and between games, uh, sipping on water, taking sips of water to stay hydrated, but I think what I've heard and where I think I lack is pre-hydration, so how important is it to, to get hydrated before you even begin your activities? Well, it's it's very important. You know, I like to say that the majority of us are a little bit dehydrated all the time, just because we tend to, especially in the morning time, drink more caffeinated beverages, which no hate there. I have to have my cup of coffee in the morning. Um, but I've talked on this show before about how I, while my coffee is brewing, I drink uh, like a, a 16 ounce solo cup of water. So I get kind of two glasses before I get my coffee. Um, so that's a, a strategy that you can can use, but having that uh, kind of extra bump on the front end is really important because if you start dehydrated and then you go out and heat like this and you start to do strenuous things like playing tennis or any other kind of activity, you're really already 
too far behind, right? So having some prehydration on the front end is really important. And plain water um, is is what we want to do there. And then you want to drink, um, you know, every 15 to 20 minutes, you want to have some, some water while you're doing um, these activities out there. And then, you know, you said you're lucky because you like water. Um, I work with a lot of patients who don't like water or it's just not been a part of their um <clears throat> their health habits that they've they've had over their lifetime and so getting that habit established can be can be hard if you're not used to that i too really enjoy water um, but some of the things that have worked for other folks you know of course we do want to want to encourage plain water as much as possible but if you won't drink it it doesn't do any good for me to tell you just plain water right so you know if you need a flavor pack added to your water you know like a sugar-free um hydration uh stick uh you can put in there i you know i usually only recommend one or two of those a day again i'd rather you have plain water um fruit infused water is my favorite kind of go-to for that people that just need a little extra something from a flavor perspective on there um, you can cut up fresh fruits and put them in um, in your in a jug in the fridge they make fancy infusion pitchers and you, you just don't need that um, you can just get you a big old mason jar is what I do and put um, cut up fruits in it my favorites are like citrusy things like lemons limes oranges those kinds of things or um, strawberries are another one that I really enjoy in there and I usually just make up a big picture of it, and it'll last me a day or two um, in the fridge. And then while I certainly don't want sparkling water to be all the water that you drink, if you're really struggling to cut back on soda, um, then a sparkling water can be a, a good strategy there. It's actually how I stopped drinking Diet Coke. So if you knew me five years ago, you know that uh, Diet Coke was like my security blanket. Like, you know, having a bad day, have a Diet Coke, right? Having a good day, have a Diet Coke. You know, it was just one of those things that I, I had to have. I really enjoyed the fizz and the burn and all those kinds of things um, and uh, found that the the artificial sweetener in that was um, triggering my migraines and so had to come up with a different strategy there and certainly didn't want to just go back to drinking regular soda because that was going to bring another host of, of health problems that I didn't need um, so I started with uh, sparkling waters and now it's my absolute favorite beverage and I have at least one um, sparkling water uh, a day it's a great way to um, get some get some good water in there and with that's a little bit more exciting all right so Carl let's talk about um, fireworks because 4th of July is right around the corner and the tents will be popping up soon. They're, for, they're already up. <laughs> for fireworks and um, it, it can be done safely, right? You know, they, they're an enjoyable activity for a lot of folks. Kids love them um, and it's, you know, an important part of our of our culture and our, our national celebration. But like anything, prevention and a little bit of planning on the front end can keep your celebration from turning into a disaster. So let's talk about it. Well, the number one thing is, is don't let children light fireworks. Uh, that's the number one thing. The number two thing is don't light fireworks while you're impaired. Exactly. So if you've been, uh, say, drinking a few cold ones. Uh, or warm ones. Or warm ones <laughs> in, in this weather. Um and you're a little uh, tipsy, uh, it's probably not the time to be playing with explosives. Exactly. Um, and I'm just uh, just putting that out there. I know a lot of people like to have a good time, and it's okay. Uh, but, um, you know, on, on average, there are 
about eight to ten people killed every year due to firework mishaps. Um, and um, there are thousands and thousands of injuries across the United States every year. About 40 to 45 percent of those are burns. Mm. And, um, and that has to do, you're dealing with explosives and fire. And so those are, those are issues. Um, when you let uh, small children do it, um, even if they're using the sparklers, uh, those are very hot, and they remain hot, um, and those are issues. Uh, the other thing to remember is if you are doing fireworks, to make sure you have a bucket of water or a charged fire, uh, fire hose or water hose readily available uh, to put out fires. Uh, know that if your area is under a burn ban at the time or a red flag fire warning, you need to know that because remember, if you start the fire, you're responsible for whatever it, it burns yeah. down too. So if you burn down your neighbor's house, you're responsible. Um, and uh, fireworks, you you can't always control where they go and what they start. So uh, be aware of that. Pay attention to what you're doing. Um, if you are shooting off fireworks. You know, have it planned out. Um, if you light it, to get away from it quickly. If the firework does not explode, of course, never go up and touch it. Never go up and try to relight it, restart it. You know, get it to the side, maybe move it with a shovel, something like that uh, to get it away from where everyone else is. Uh, because um, I know in my lifetime, I've seen many of them lay there for several minutes, then all of a sudden explode. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of those things. And um Probably about 35 to 40 uh, percent of the other injuries are to fingers and hands. And this is where people are picking things up or lighting things in their hand and not throwing it fast enough. Um, and it, or it just explodes quicker than they think. Um, and you have a lot of those um, mangling injuries that are permanent. Um, and you just got to be careful with it. Absolutely. Um, I want to kind of circle back to the kind of bucket of water that you mentioned, and because that was one that I was going to make sure we talked about, especially for those what we consider less dangerous fireworks, which I, the sparklers kind of fall into, or what what sometimes parents see as a, a less a less dangerous um, firework because they don't shoot anywhere, you know, but they are incredibly hot. Um, And even when they burn down, they are hot to the touch. So if you're using those and you're done with them, just having, you know, a five-gallon bucket there with some water in it to just sit that over into, it just saves so many, you know, not really life-threatening burns, but just... Accidental burns. Accidental burns that are just a a drag, you know, and are just uncomfortable and are going to kind of ruin your your day and may scar and be disfiguring depending on where, where it is. So having that... Um, is really important. Um, you know, I like to kind of have um, one or two kind of designated people in charge. Safety of, officers <laughs> is what we would call it. <laughs> which is, more, I, I usually in that um, play that role, and I'm sure you do as well. Um, but that are in charge of making sure that the fireworks are are secure and not able for little hands to get into and, and start to play with and stuff. And then some of the other things are just, I mean, they kind of go without saying, but we have to say them because every year you have these injuries. Don't point fireworks at each other. Um, I see that happen all the time where people kind of shoot bottle rockets toward each other. Those will cause burns, it, you know, puncture injuries, all kinds of things there. A lot of eye injuries, facial injuries, and uh, that's where those come from. Right, absolutely. And like you mentioned, if something doesn't uh, detonate, don't pick it up. And also don't, like, 
crouch down to look at it. I've seen that happen a couple times as well. That's going to go directly into your face. Um, and, and so just be, be careful with those things. And if you do pick something up, don't close your fist around it either. Um, you know, if you think about a, a, a little bomb going off inside of a closed fist, that's going to be uh, devastating in terms of the type of injury that that, um, that that delivers to that individual. So I prefer just to go enjoy a firework display from somewhere that somebody else has, has curated and done. But if you are planning to go... Um, go get some fireworks and and do those over the next coming little bit just kind of have a plan in place right i'm not saying don't have fun just you you can have fun and you can be safe with them and everyone can enjoy them that's the thing about it but you just have to be smart plan ahead and you know what's right Mm -hmm. and and don't don't have the bottle rocket wars. Yeah, don't just don't do it. It's not going to end well for somebody. Yeah. And you know, if you do sustain um, a burn, you know, of course, seek medical attention. But in that immediate kind of first aid phase, I see a lot of people put ice on burns. That is not a good idea. Okay. Depending on the extent of the burn, um, there is going to determine how well you're able to sense things. Right. If you've burned through you know different layers of the skin, then your sensation is impaired in that particular area and you can actually give yourself a ice burn from that which is a completely different type of injury and a completely different uh, kind of animal in terms of treatment but either way you are creating non-viable skin and tissue that we would rather you not do so if you're providing that kind of initial first aid you can run things under cool water not cold water not ice any of those kinds of things you know clean it try and get any debris that's in it and those kinds of things out and then cover it um with a, a bandage and seek medical care and please 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 do not put butter i was i was waiting on it it was vas- coming vaseline any types of um, thing like that, anything that is petroleum-based, oil-based, because what that does, yes, it feels good for a moment because it's cool and it feels good, but what it does, it seals the burn in. Mm-hmm. And anything that's still burning underneath that uh, where the damage has been done to the skin uh, or to the body, it continues to burn underneath, and, and that just seals it in. And so we, we want to stay away from that. And the the, the Cool, tepid water is, is, is the best way to go. Uh, and if you need additional medical help after that, seek it, please. Yeah. And especially if it's a burn to the face or the neck, you absolutely want to seek medical care because any swelling that may occur in that area could compromise your airway. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
and welcome back. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Dr. Carl Mangum. And we have been talking about summer safety. We've uh, talked about heat safety, which is pretty doggone important, especially with this week we've got coming up. Um, And we talked about firework safety as well. And what I'd like to talk about next is water safety. So we're trying to hit on all the things that you guys are going to be participating in over over this summer that um, we want you to do. We want you to have fun, but we want you to be uh, be safe. Prevention is a very important part of continuing to have safe, fun summers. If you have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Or you can always email us, fit at mpbonline.org. All right, water safety. When I'm talking water safety, I'm talking pools, natural bodies of water, lakes, reservoirs, river streams, creeks, all those good things that you're um, trying to cool off in, um, and boats, right? All of those uh, fall into water safety and drowning, especially when we look at the pediatric population and children and young children is the leading cause of accidental death in in that age group. And drowning doesn't always look like what we think drowning looks like, especially when you think about how it's portrayed on television and in movies with people flailing about and, you know, calling out for help and those kinds of things. It doesn't look like that in real life, right, Carl? Most of the time it's silent Mm -hmm. and it's all of a sudden someone... Uh, misses the child and they well where's the baby at and they're like everybody's running around looking for the baby and they're at the bottom of the pool or the bottom of the whatever Mm -hmm. lake Um, and um, it's um, it's a very sad time for them Um, one of the things that you have to look out at for is I I really want to stress this part when it comes to water safety there's two things number one children and, and young people, we'll say young people. Remember, children and young people don't always know how to make the best decision. Okay, now there are a lot of adults that don't know how to make the best decision either. We'll just throw that out there and leave that sitting on the front porch. But from a brain development standpoint. <laughs> but but um, we know from the brain and the uh, uh, knowledge area and the being able to make a solid decision Children and young people, young adolescents, uh, don't always know where the danger is. They don't know what will kill them and what will not kill them always. And so that's where the adults come into play, where you have to keep an eye on the kids. Someone has to keep an eye on the kids. I I don't know if you understood what I said. (laughs) Someone has to be watching the kids. In other words, someone needs to be able to see the kids. So when I say that, I mean, if you're at a pool, a body of water, in a boat, a pontoon boat, a racing boat, whatever, somebody needs to have eyes on the kids. And if you've got, um, you know, three to four kids, uh, you need more than one person watching them because kids go in different directions all the time. We all know that. Uh, it's just a matter of safety because they don't know. They, they, they would walk up and pet a lion you know and say nice kitty and they don't realize the lion could eat them and that's where it comes you have to think about the water as the same way Mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes to the adults uh, usually what happens is uh, it goes back to being impaired it goes back to the drugs and alcohol and someone operating a, a boat it's just like driving your vehicle driving a boat while impaired is against the law 
um, and it can have very bad, dire consequences. It can get someone killed. It can get you imprisoned. Um, and it's a bad decision to do that. You need a designated driver that knows how to safely operate that uh, uh, water boat, or whether it's a jet ski, a regular ski boat, or a pontoon boat, or the Queen Elizabeth II, whatever it is you're driving. Uh, you need not to be impaired in doing that. Remember, you're responsible for everyone on the boat. You need life preservers for everyone on the boat. And extras. Extras, because you never know who you're going to come upon and that you're going to need those. And I don't care if they're an Olympic swimmer, okay? If you've ever watched the Olympics, there's a poor lifeguard sitting on the side of the pool, okay? And they've got their lifeguard-saving buoy with them at the Olympics, okay? You, is is that important? Yeah. Okay. And I think you know we we've, we've got to think about planned events and then environmental safety as well, right? So, uh, of and I think we probably do. Uh, uh, everybody knows when we're going somewhere, we've got to watch out for each other, right? But it's you know if you have a body of water at your residence or a place that you're visiting, right? Um, how do we set ourselves up for safety in that particular situation? You know. Um, uh, pool fences are very important, um, especially if you have little ones who toddle about and those kinds of things and that don't kind of tell you, hey, I'm just going to go outside and get in the pool, you know, those kinds of things. So having a pool fence um, with a lock that is higher up where it would be a little bit more difficult for them to reach. I never say they can't reach it because kids are pretty doggone right. creative um, when it comes to, to getting some of those things. Um, they'll figure a way. They'll trust figure me. a way, right. Um, and, and so kind of having that in place is important when you're, like you mentioned, when you're at the pool, um, having a designated person or persons that have eyes on folks. Um, you know, we, we just have two kids, so but we kind of, my husband and I, when we go to the pool, I'll say, I'm watching Campbell, and he'll say, I'm watching Caleb, right? So we kind of identify that on the front end, who's watching who. And, you know, this conversation that we're having is not to put blame on anybody if you have had an, an event where um, you know, something has happened. We're not blaming you. We're just talking about, you know, strategies that we can do moving forward to help decrease these things, you know, and making sure that we, we plan ahead for those types of things. And it's to help new parents, too, that have not uh, faced this yet and exactly. maybe coming into it for the first time this summer. Right, right. Or having a, a pool party. Those are, are frequent, you know, and you'll have more than just your kiddos there. So really kind of identifying roles on people to to who's going to watch who and those kinds of things. But we do have a caller who's holding for us. We'll go to Jackson and talk with Evelyn. Good morning. How can we help you? Hi, I have a few tips that I have developed for uh, water safety. Lovely. Tell well, me those. Well, one, I totally agree on the Olympic athletes. Uh, it is, we have had people, very competent swimmers, college swim team swimmers, drown. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't think that you are drown-proof. Nobody is. Uh, second, we used to go to Tish, uh, we used to go to a state park in the Homochitta, and my brother loved to canoe. And when he got old enough to want to canoe by himself, uh, my mom told my father, he said, "You take Evelyn and Stephen out in the canoe and ride it out to the middle of the lake, and you intentionally capsize that uh, canoe, and they." You, everybody has to bring the canoe into shore. 
bless my father's heart, as we say in the South. <laughs> we did it once, which is what my mother wanted, and we got to the sh- we got to uh, the shoreline, and Stephen and I said, "Hey, Dad, that was fun. Let's do it again." He spent the entire afternoon with us, row, uh, rowing the canoe out to the middle of the lake. One, two, three, lean to the right. And then, and then gathering up the canoe and the paddles, and we were all in uh, uh, life safe jackets, you mm-hmm. know, and pulling that thing to the shore only to launch it back out the entire afternoon. Uh, and obviously, I, I'm in my 50s, my mid 50s, so that was probably 45 years ago. And I still remember that time with my father very very well and it was just a fun time so you know think about those things tell your kids to um to have a swim team buddy and always check on their buddy uh if you if if when your kids get into middle school check to see if your school has a swim team put them on the swim team it's it's a very short season but it is absolutely great. Even Jackson Public Schools now has a swim team. A lot of people don't know that. But, uh, you know, um, if you're going to, if you have a backyard pool and you're going to have a party, hire yourself a lifeguard. Oh, that's a good one. You know, uh, and always, always, always have more than enough sunscreen on hand absolutely absolutely (laughs) you're preaching to the choir on that one i love some sunscreen and more than you think you need right and more often than you think you need and even if you are a person of color absolutely they they tell me hey i can burn too yep so not not as quickly perhaps but they can so uh, those are just some of my my tips and become lifeguards all three of our sons are lifeguards, and uh, it's a, a wonderful way to pay your community back. Right now, lifeguards are in very short supply, and uh, many cities will actually pay for your lifeguard hmm. training, which is a couple hundred bucks, because they are that desperate for lifeguards throughout the country. Wow. Throughout the country. So uh, have your kids become lifeguards. It's a great um, it's a great first job that can turn into a college job. And my middle son, actually, at the age of 22, he supervises 30 kids who are lifeguards and concession workers at a community pool. I don't know about you, but when I was 22, I wasn't supervising 30 people at time <laughs> their paycheck. Well, Evelyn, thank you so much for giving us a call and those great tips today. You have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. 
It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell. Joining me today in the studio is Dr. Carl Mangum. And we've been talking about summer safety, including water safety, heat safety, fireworks, all of those good things. We had a great caller before um, our last break. And she actually called back while we were on break to add one additional tip, which I'll share with you now. Um, that Because we were talking about swimming, uh, swimming lessons and those types of things that the 100 Black Men of Jackson offer free swimming service. Um, now, I'll find some more information about that um, that I'll have. And if you're interested in more about that, you can email us, fit at mpbonline.org, and I will try and get you in contact with the right folks. All right. In the last couple minutes of the show, Carl, I know this is a, a, a topic that you're pretty passionate about, um, but it's severe weather preparedness, and in particular, hurricane preparedness as we, you know, are moving into hurricane season right so let's talk about uh, kind of your your top top tips there for what we should be doing top tips get ready (laughs) Uh, plan now prepare now do not wait um, is the best thing Um, many of you know and and as i've been on the show um, several times before i command one of the federal medical teams for the u.s department of health and human services it's called a DMAT team, Disaster Medical Assistance Team, and we're part of the National Disaster Medical System. And um, we respond to the aftermath of hurricanes is one of the things we do. We do many things. Um, but in preparing for things like hurricanes and large weather events, uh, it's really up to the individual uh, and their family to prepare. Uh, many times, many people think the government is going to come in and save you, Uh, But as we all know, it takes days, uh, sometimes weeks, for large amounts of supplies and equipment to be moved into an area. So the best thing to do is prepare individually for you and your family to be able to survive. Now, used to we would say prepare for three days, and that's still kind of the industry standard is for three days. But I personally tell people now to prepare for at least a week. And uh, if you really want to get prepared, aim for two weeks. Um, the, the main thing is you, th- you need to think about uh, food, water, and energy, and that's uh, in, in, in kind of in that uh, order. Um, there are a couple of websites you can go to. I'm going to go and give you those quickly, then we'll talk more specifics. The first one is from the U.S. Department of um, Homeland Security. It's called Ready.gov. And it has some great information on there about how to plan and some of the things you need to have for your home kit and for a, a movable kit like you could keep in your car or truck. Also has some great information on there for kids. Now, the other ones that are a little closer to home are from the Mississippi Department of Health and also from MEMA, the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Both of those websites have great information on there. 
uh, to help you prepare for any type of disaster, including weather, uh, including hurricanes, uh, things like tornadoes, large thunderstorms, things like that. And uh, we prepare for all hazards because if you're more prepared for one hazard, you're more prepared for all the hazards. Now, when we think about uh, your kit for home, of course, you want to have non-perishable foods, um, things that, uh, you know, you and your family will eat. And the example I always give, if your kids are not going to eat sardines, you don't need 40 cans of sardines, okay? <laughs> now, if you're going to use those for fishing to get bigger fish to eat, uh, that's one thing. Uh, but uh, have food that your family is going to eat. Uh, and then uh, when you think about energy, if you don't have um, uh, a backup energy supply such as a generator or, th- or something like that, remember you're going to need fuel. Um, and uh, I know the world's trying to turn green, but they don't make uh, portable generators that run off anything except for gasoline right now or propane. And so uh, you have to stock up and have that fuel ready to go. Uh, in case you need it for several days to run either your fans or your refrigeration, freezers, things like that. Uh, you need to be able to prepare your food. So an outdoor grill or a fire pit, some way to prepare your food uh, to cook unless you're just going to eat uh, you know, beans cold out of the can, which is up to you. Uh, but if you have some way, now if it's winter, you need some way to stay warm. If it's summer, you need some way to stay outside because you're not going to be able to stay in your house. It's going to be really hot in your house. So you'll need to stay outside where it's cooler, under some shade, um, maybe some artificial shade that you have to create with some uh, tarps or something like that. Uh, and then the other part that you have to plan for uh, are for uh, medicines, uh, for younger kids, uh, babies, of uh, course, formula, that's a whole problem within itself right now. Uh, additional water uh, here in Mississippi, uh, you know, we tell everybody to plan for three gallons per person. Um, but, um, you know, if it's uh, hot as it is right now, you may need a little more for, for consumption and for cooking. So where are you going to store all this? Well, that's something you got to plan out and you need to be thinking about that now. The last thing I'll mention is you also may have to be mobile. If your home is destroyed or your local area is destroyed, you may have to move. Uh, and so you need to have your stuff and have your personal belongings enough where you can load into a vehicle and leave or get on a bus and leave. So you need to have a go pack ready to go. If you have important papers, make copies or download them to a thumb drive or something like that. That way you have them ready to go in your mobile. And if you have to leave your area, move to another part of the state, you still have your important documents with you. That's it. You can go to those websites. They'll give you a lot more information to help you out. Absolutely. And as ready.gov is my favorite to go to because there's just like a checklist that you can print out of all the things that you need to put in your safety kit. And, you know, it finally got through to me, Carl, after all the years of having you on the show, I have a hurricane kit. Excellent. And it's on wheels so that if I got to get mobile, I can just wheel that sucker right on out of my house. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.